Kamogi Report podcast brought to you by Tipperary Kamogi TV. I'm Jordan Canan and I'm delighted today to be joined by Clonty and Tipperary star uh, Sarah Friday and Alessia Therapist to the Tipperary Senior Kamogi team, Kelly Byrne. Ladies, you're both very welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Jer. Thanks, Jer. Today's podcast is focusing solely on the whole area of the anterior cruciate ligament, the ACL. Um, it's an in area I'm very interested in myself and really looking forward to learning all more about it. Um, both my guests have lots of experience and knowledge in the area. Unfortunately for Sarah, she suffered two cruciate ligament injuries. Um, the first one back in 2016 and again last year in 2020. Her work as a leisure therapist with the O'Brien Clinic in Tumivara and her own clinic in Holy Cross has lots of experience specialising in sports injuries and musculoskeletal injuries. So um, we'll start off with you, Kelly. Um, maybe just explain to people what exactly is a ligament and what is your ACL and where would you find it? Grand. So a ligament, it's um, kind of a real fibrous connective tissue. So it attaches bone to bone. And what it usually does is it just holds to, to serve that joint in place just very passively. And it helps to keep that joint stable. So you'd often hear ligaments in the knee, the ankle, uh, places like that. Um, so they consist of tightly packed collagen and it just helps to resist any tensile load um, that goes through the joint. But obviously when there's enough tensile load force that's applied into that joint in a direction that it's obviously not meant to go, or maybe that there's not um, enough neuromuscular um, components to it or that there's not enough muscular strength as well at the joint um, that if that's insufficient that that's where people then will pick up their injuries so that's where you're getting the likes of your um, ligament sprains in your ankle or an ACL tear in the knee um, so the ACL it's a ligament in the knee that crosses over from one side to another so I think there's a picture that you have your possibly coming up later yeah. um, it, it joins between the two big bones in the leg so you have the femur which is the really long bone that runs through the thigh and then you have the tibia which is your main shin bone at the bottom of the leg and the ACL crosses over from one side to another but at the back of the ACL is also so the PCL, so you have your ACL, which is your anterior crucial ligament, and the PCL, which is your posterior crucial ligament, and they cross over beside each other in an X form, and they both stop the, the knee moving in, in certain directions that it's not meant to go. So the ACL stops the tibia, which is your shin bone, moving forward underneath your femur, and the PCL stops your femur moving forward on top of the the tibia um, and obviously when when one of them go then that's when you're you're running into trouble and that's where you get that big joint motion then coming in from the the shin bone that's able to to move or uh, the acl it's also at the point of rotation as well which is we'll get back to that later as to how the acl actually tears to begin with because it is on that axis of rotation and right in the middle of the knee um, and that's what makes the ACL so important because it's your main point of rotation and it's your main stability muscle right on the inside of the, the knee as well. Okay, so when we hear people saying, oh, they did their cruciate or Sarah's done her cruciate twice. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about tearing it then, is it? Or 
Generally, it is. So with any ligament, you'll have three grades of a tear. And this is where you see in an, an ankle sprain as well, let's say, you'll, you'll generally pick up a, a grade one tear, which is a, a, an easy kind of a sprain to pick up. You'd only maybe be out of the sport for two to three to four weeks. Um, grade one, it's, it's sore to touch, but there's no big damage to the ligaments. Then you have a grade two tear, which has, which is also possible to happen in a in an ACL as well, that you could pick up a, a grade one or grade two sprain. Um, but when you hear somebody doing their cruciate, generally it means a grade three tear, which is that there's a total tear in the ligament. Um, and that's where you're getting that full movement. There's no end point at all in testing. Whereas in grade one, there's a little bit of damage, but there's a very definite endpoint. You know, when you're doing your tests, there's there's no big movement in around the knee. Um, grade two, there's a little bit more movement, but there's still an end feel. You're still able to, to um, the, the leg doesn't totally move basically at the knee. The grade three is there's no end point at all. The, the, the leg will, or the knee will move fairly freely with a, a grade three tear. So, when you hear people talking about a grade three, that's what they are generally talking about when you're, when you're talking about somebody doing their ligament. Um, the grade three is the one that you'll see as well with people getting surgically repaired more often than not. A grade one or a grade two would be very easy to just brace and then rehab the knee as well. And there, there wouldn't be any surgery required for a grade one or two and the ligament will just heal itself. And then obviously depending on whether it's a grade one or a grade two um, is dependent on the time that it takes. Um, but it's the grade three is the, the one that you see takes the nine months to the guts of a year to totally rehab from. Okay, so Sarah, um, you first um, damaged your cruciate in 2016. Can you take us back to then? Uh, was it a match or training or what happened to you? Yeah, uh, we were playing Kilkenny actually in uh, Semple Stadium. So definitely couldn't fall to pitch for any injuries. So we oh, we were getting absolutely trounced. I'll never forget it. Everybody was in bad form. I think we were losing by about 12 points um, at the time that I actually went down. And I was literally just trying to sidestep somebody. That was all it was. Um, in the middle of the field, tried to sidestep a girl, went down. The way I describe that one is it was just like twisting my ankle. Like if the, there was an initial in, but then kind of, I got up. And, and I didn't realize at the time what physio was doing those tests that uh, Kelly was speaking about. I didn't know what that was um, at the time. And she said, are you sure you're okay to play on? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. So I got up and I wasn't, I don't say I was only on the pitch for about five more minutes and management took me off. So that was definitely um, a, a weird one uh, in comparison to the, my second knee because I actually got up and, and I played on for a small bit. It was only when I went home that evening, um, nobody was coming up to you saying how you were or anything because we were after getting such a beating that nobody was talking to anybody nearly and we had to go out and play Dublin the next weekend. So I actually drove myself home, uh, put the feet up. I think there was hurling on um, in the evening and was watching it away. And I say I must have been sitting down for about two or three hours straight. And obviously my knee was sore. I was icing it as if I was after twisting my ankle. And I remember I got up after sitting down for about three hours and I was like, something's not right here. Um, I went to turn and I fell down because I couldn't, um, I, 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 my knee went from under me. 
so then instantly kind of dad was a bit worried and we didn't really to be honest with you ACL wasn't on the mind it was just that it was after twisting the knee um went to training on the Tuesday but obviously I was stiff at this stage I had a bad limp on me I wasn't training but in the back of my mind I was kind of sure look I might play on Sunday against Dublin um but then it wasn't long then they were like look get the MRI I was very adamant that I was fine there was nothing wrong didn't want to get the MRI but they said go on look if it comes back clear it's the best money we ever spent so got the MRI and it actually came back um I'll never forget Emily Hayden actually at the time rang me and the MRI came back that there was an incomplete tear on my ACL. So that's kind of like what Kelly was saying there, that it wasn't a complete tear. It wasn't a grade three. So basically they were like, look, you don't know um, how serious it is until you go up to see the surgeon. So booked an appointment for Santry, went up there. And he was fairly optimistic when he made, made the report and when he felt um, my knee, because I was actually back running at that stage. And it was about four weeks later. Maybe about five weeks later, I was back running a straight line and he had really good movement in my knee. He was like, look, I'm just going to give a quick look at the MRI, but I'm fairly confident it's only a grade one or a grade two. And he came back with, he was like, I'm not wrong that often. It was really more up in century. But he goes, if I can describe it to you like a string that's brittle, that's breaking off, your ACL is holding on by a, a thread. And um, he said, even though it's it's still intact technically uh the likelihood is if you gave six months rehabbing that you'd go out again and it will go so his professional advice was that <clears throat> to go and get the operation because it basically was a grade three just off it like so that's how my first one happened um and it was a bit of like very unknown territory at that stage okay that's interesting and then last year then um i'll never forget your tweet at the start of the year um you know, you had you were in with the Tiplays footballers and the Camogie again, and you said how your summer plans of Camogie and football, you know, were were gone basically. That you were after doing a cruciate again, and God, it was devastated for you. So that was a challenge match, I think, was it? Yeah, it was Camogie. Um, again, we were playing Cork in St Patrick's College in Hurlis. Um, it was January 10th or whatever it was start of the year but like we were there was a lot of work done before that like I definitely was in probably the best condition that I'd been in in a long time between training with football and the camogie but I definitely I'd stand by it that I wasn't over training like I was looking after myself um because a lot of the people a lot of even myself afterwards I questioned myself a lot had to, was I doing too much but I'm fairly confident like I had a lot of people monitoring it like I wasn't overtraining but we played Cork anyway and it was actually going quite well in the match and I can remember just coming out of the half back line probably too far back up the field anyway but um coming back out back out of the half back line with a ball and whatever happened it was just like a girl came in behind me to tackle me and I, I genuinely I don't know like it's just, I, only for I look back on the match in the center stadium that's the only reason why I knew what happened like I, I kind of get lost in these things um, a girl was tackling me and she kind of fell on top of me whether my foot lodged in the dirt and the muck of St. Pat's at the same time as she kind of fell on top of me um, and that happened or else it was direct contact I'm actually not too sure but this was a different experience altogether than the first time um, it was absolutely excruciating like I'd say Kelly was there on the day and I'd say a lot of people said my roars could be nearly heard around the town it was a different um, different kettle of fish than the first time 
I knew straight away that uh, something was wrong and I was down I'd say for a good few minutes and everybody was kind of aware um when you see anybody that has previous knee injuries going down you instantly kind of get a shock and I remember even um my teammate and club mates I caught the van and I just remember seeing her face and just thinking oh Jesus if she looks like that <laughs> something seriously wrong like um so anyway I got myself off that day but I was fairly adamant even though everybody sent me to Rex and you know you don't know until you get MRI until everything I was fairly convinced to myself that I had uh, done the ACL again um, that day so yeah a lot of emotion physically under in a lot of pain but emotionally mentally was very distraught um, for what I had planned to be a great summer as you were saying yeah. And but it's a totally different scenario from the first time, pain-wise. Yeah. So I did um I did a lot more damage this time around. First of all, I tore my ACL uh fully. So that was a like Kelly was saying there at the start, that was a full grade and um, tree, full rupture. So that was definitely one of the pain. But also, which Kelly might come in on it there as well, a lot of people say I did my MCL, so my medial ligament, um, as well this time around, which I didn't do the first time. And a lot of people, I think Ashley Maloney um, last year also did her medial ligament. Quicker recovery, but the pain is meant to be nearly worse than when you actually do your cruciate. So that was um, an interesting one, uh, definitely because whether I'm, I'm not sure if it's because I did my cruciate fully this time or was it because I did my medial. And I actually did a quite a bad medial tear as well, um, a grade two with that. So if it was any further with that, um, I might have had to get surgery on that as well. So I was in a brace for a few weeks after that as well. I had completely lost um, control in my knee it was going from under me so yeah totally different experience and I think Kelly would that be right in saying that that it was the medial that probably was causing the pain there yeah yeah because what you'll often see with um, a grade three rupture of an ACL is you have that instant blinding pain and then it can dissipate then afterwards because it's a complete rupture you could end up um, disrupting the nervous um, the nervous system then and you don't have the same pain uh, going through a grade three because you have that complete tear. Nerves are gone. Have a grade two tear, you still have some of those pain receptors going through. So it's actually worse pain-wise sometimes to get a grade two. Initially, a grade three is excruciating, but the pain can go down then quickly afterwards as opposed to a grade two, which is fairly consistently sore because you still have that small little attachment. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah back at you at the MCL grade two tear definitely would have added to that situation so it's interesting hearing the two different injuries and there was two your left and your right knee wasn't it there two yeah two totally symmetrical now <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting hearing um how the first one was caused now the second one was caused and Kelly what would be the most common um cause of ACL do you know there's can it be contact and then there can be no contact would that be right yeah so exactly how Sarah is after describing her mechanism of injury there. Um, the most common way is if there's a twisting movements, a sudden change of direction, if there's deceleration or if there's any kind of pivoting at the knee. So in sport, the most common mechanism of injury is if you're coming down on the leg from a height or if you are trying to do some kind of cutting maneuver. So sports where there's a big demand, obviously, for that type of um, skills would be 
camogie, football, basketball. So that's where you're seeing an awful lot of these ACL injuries coming in. Um, and then a big question that often would people ask is why did it happen now when I've been a camogie player for 30 years of my life? Why have I now just picked up an ACL injury? And a lot of that will be external factors. So in Sarah's case with the second ACL injury, when there was a, a, a girl came up behind her, that was an external factor that she wouldn't have factored in to this under normal circumstances. So if there's um, the athlete is being put off balance or if they're being pushed by um, another person on another team. Um, and that's why it's important then in your rehab to include real sports specific uh, rehab for um, helping to deal with those outside situations, basically that you can react quickly to them, that you're gonna help prevent those kind of injuries going forward then. Okay. And then you hear people talk about, you know, the pitch or, football boots I think you know I remember one time when the blades were getting a lot of bad um rep that they were causing this can they have a, they a factor as well like the pitch and conditions the weather yeah no they definitely can those longer studs can definitely have an effect on an ACL because again exactly how um Sarah described her her injury that her foot was um impact it was in the ground it was a bit stuck in the ground and then she went to go and turn and then that's when the acl went so the longer studs will obviously stick in the ground a little bit more and that's when your foot is going to be in that turned out position and um, but then the knee stays traveling so if you're stuck in the mud and then you go to try and turn quickly or you go to do some sort of big cutting maneuver you're decelerating or um having to to change direction very quickly then that's when you run into difficulty then Okay, because I actually uh, listened to a podcast only today. Um, I was doing a bit of last minute prepping for our podcast, and um, I came across the podcast by Ray Moore, and he he carried probably did both your surgeries there, did he? In this yeah, central good friend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know him well, and actually he was giving a talk all about ACLs, and he he described how it was interesting that um the ACL in the humans is I suppose it's quite modest for the size of the giant and he said there's other animals uh, out there that have better kind of ACLs like I think he gave the example of a mountain tiger or something and that like for sport the actual ACL is probably not well it wasn't designed for some of the sports that we're doing now I don't know if you, yeah. either of you heard that before or oh that's really interesting um yeah. It's definitely, I mean, I, I hadn't heard that in comparison to the animals and things like that, but it would, it would make sense, I suppose, if you're, if you're talking about um, up and off mountains in comparison. Yeah. To yeah. But yeah. Um, just back to you again, Sarah, um, you know, you, you, you explained what happened in 2016 and um, you went to Santry and, you know, obviously the decision then was taken to do the surgery and how long did you have to wait for the surgery and Talk us through the rehab then afterwards and yeah so I like I said it was a different kind of circumstance this time around I was fairly the minute it happened I was okay we're getting the MRI because you can't do anything before you get the MRI whereas the last time I was very much no it's fine don't worry but uh so yeah I got the MRI fairly quickly um and was up in Santry within I'd say a week or 10 days um of that and then I had my surgery so I got I did my 
knee on the 10th of January and I got my surgery on the 14th of February. So the reason behind that was um, my knee was so um, ruptured and damaged and swollen that they actually couldn't go and operate at it the way it was because there was so much trauma um, in it. So they actually gave me a few weeks there to do a bit of prehab, they call it. So before the surgery, because after the surgery, um, you you don't have the same use of your muscles. So they kind of entice you to build up as much muscle as you can uh, before the surgery. So I was doing that from the get-go really as much as I could. And then I got the operation on the 14th of February, um, a great Valentine's Day. <laughs> and then I literally came out of that and it was head down, like working straight away. Um, you get on a good program with Santry there. You have your three-month checkup, six-month checkup and nine-month checkup. And it's all, the whole process is a return to play process. So that's what their agenda is. It's to get you back to where you finished off. And that was my motive as well, because the minute I did my I knee, I remember thinking, I just want to get back to where I finished. Um, that's my goal now to get back to this level of fitness and um, playing. At the time, I was optimistic. Probably I wanted to play football as well as Camogie. Made the choice now to just stick with the Camogie. But yeah, the rehab is intense enough. Like I said, like once like the first 10 days, your goal is to try to get off the crutches and start walking and get a walk back because I think Kelly will come in there. A lot of people, if you don't get your walk back, um, get your bend in your knee and, and your extension that you can actually develop a limp. Um, and even at that, then it can go into your running technique and it can actually put you at more risk of doing your knee again. So the first two weeks are really important um, in that. I think you would agree with that, Kelly, would you? That trying yeah. to get your walk back. Get the range of motion back in the knee as quick as you can. That's the most important thing. And you can build on that after that then. Yeah, definitely. So then once I had that, um, the range of motion, as Kelly said, so basically being able to straighten your knee and be able to bend it to a certain level of flexion. Um, I was back in the gym um, doing, trying to build up strength as much as I could, get my mobility back, uh, working alongside Kelly, alongside Paddy O'Brien um, and different people. And I was lucky because we didn't go into lockdown, I don't think, until, was it the end of March or something like that? So I had a, was it, yeah. so I had a few weeks in the Finnick um, working away with them. And then like that, it was probably kind of a good thing in a sense that I had the need on before because when I got the programs from the lads um, I was able to put it into place with kind of nearly oh I remember doing that um, three or four years ago and I got myself through a lockdown um, it, it was tough at the end of it because I didn't have the resources of building strength in your quad which a lot of people can find difficulty in so when I went back to the physios the key thing was yeah you're moving well you're back running but uh, building your quad strength is so difficult um, so that was a big challenge for me, but it was, look, it was grand. It wasn't as tough as the first one. Um, I had a good support system in place and um, I knew kind of the do's and don'ts of what not to do. And um, the minute you're back running, it's a, a big milestone. And um, then once you're back running, you can straight line running, you're, you're changing direction, you're getting to sh shooting with the girls, you're getting back into running with the girls and all of a sudden you're in contact. And before you know it, you're back playing so there's loads of milestones there I suppose to look at it um like it, it goes so fast from getting off the crutches to building strength to running to 
pivoting to getting back in contact like there's loads there and it does fly um for like i i'm lucky enough like i've got back in eight or eight or nine months um so once you put the head down and do the work you can it is manageable to get back within that timeline yeah they've got there really is no um sitting around feeling sorry for yourself after the operation it's up at it straight away isn't it yeah and like there is and i know girls who have done it like there's so many of my friends that have done it and the girls that have sat around and I've learned like they have learned the hard way and pass on the information to me um in that they've got this kind of a bend in their knee they haven't got the full extension and it puts you back so much like so the minute you get the operation you just have to um put it down and, and do the work um and like it look it, it's it's I would say there's a sense of um rewarding it in it like I used to love going up to my physio appointments because I was like I wonder did I reach the targets that I'm supposed to be at this week like and I don't know is that because of my competitive instincts or what but um there definitely was a, a side of me that was even when I went up to Santry on your three months you're meant to be able to jump a certain distance on one leg or you're meant to do whatever and I was really practicing I really wanted to get the high, the, the, the good scores in six months um it's really cool actually the testing that they do at six and nine months it's biomechanical um there's sports scientists up there with you and they node you up on all your joints so basically they can see you as a stick um stick person on the screens and they have the nodes so if they see you running and your knee is bending in then that's obviously highlighting to them that you're still um you're still not uh you're still adversely uh, affecting your knee when you're running and we need to correct that so it is really cool and i love all, i really got into all that um SE stuff and biomechanics by doing that um and then once you get up to nine months you're literally just hoping for the physio and the surgeon to sign you off um to get back to play just on on that then as well sarah just to add on what you're saying there about how you know it's it's straight away you get going and how it, it you do a, enjoy the nine months that's going on like i can honestly say and even coming from sarah's perspective as well that they're nearly stronger after coming back after the nine months of an acl rehab than they were pre-injury because they've dedicated nine solid months to building up quads building up hamstrings and like sarah was saying there about going up to santry and seeing a small detail in a stick figure of how her knees could have been collapsing inwards and where she needed to build up strength in certain little areas so it's it's not the the sentence that people sometimes think it is i know initially it's devastating but i genuinely do see people coming back a lot stronger at the end of it than they were pre-injury yeah, that's interesting. Agree. You said that because my next question was going to be that when you do your cruciate, are you at a risk of doing it again? And um, because it wouldn't be as strong, or also in Sarah's case, is there a risk of doing the opposite knee, maybe overcompensating or something? That's what I was going to ask you next, Kelly. Okay. Um. So in a lot of the papers that I've read, most of them have said that there's a, between about a two and six percent chance of re-rupture in the graft in the first couple of years and obviously that percentage gets less and less the more time that goes on but a lot of it is down to the rehab that's done on the knee in that first year 
So if the, the rehab isn't isn't adequate enough, then there's a far greater chance of being able to, to re-rupture that graft in the first couple of years. Um, and then if the other knee tends to go, generally it's because you probably haven't corrected the reasons why the other knee went in the first place. So maybe it's um, muscular imbalances or maybe there's a neuromuscular issue. Um, that you haven't corrected and that's why the other knee goes as well possibly a couple of years later um but then like i was saying before there's those external factors as well that in like lake and sarah's case in four years down the line a second one came but again it could have been from a push in the back that she wasn't expecting or something along those lines so you are about between two and six percent um, at risk but again it is down to the the rehab that you do how dedicated you are to the rehab um, and from my reading then as well before you return to play there's six things that you really need to be at um equivalent to the uninjured knee so they'll test you in um, isokinetic strength tests which is where sarah also done these on a biodex machine and they'll test your uh, quads which is the muscle on the front of your leg your hamstrings which is muscle on the back of your legs and they'll test both those muscles in comparison to the unaffected leg so you need to be able to pass them um, within a certain percentage of the unaffected leg to be able to be clear to be able to return to play then you need to be able to pass in uh, running drills and in hopping drills as well so when you pass six particular tests then you're allowed to return to play and you know that your rehab has been adequate you also need to look at your hamstring to quad strength ratio. That's a big factor as well in if you're going to re-rupture uh, a graft. So it's just making sure that the hamstrings and the quads are as strong as they possibly can be is, is the main thing. So a lot of it boils down to inadequate rehab at the end of the day, that if you do re-rupture it within a short space of time. Okay. And you mentioned graft there, and I suppose this is the other thing I learned today. So they actually take a graft from a tendon. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can head away there, Sarah, and say, say where yours came from first. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I think Ray Moore, and like that, there's two that you could get. You get the hamstring, take a graft from your hamstring or from your patella tendon, which is on the front of your knee. And uh, I know a few of my friends like have got hamstring grafts. Um, when I was going to Ray, um, he was with the he he does patella. I'm pretty sure that's what he kind of sticks with, unless yeah, you're different. Generally, yeah, unless like you're not fully grown or stuff like that, would be uh, he'd go hamstring then. But yeah, I got my patella, and it was it's quite. I think that's nearly the sorest bit about the surgery afterwards, because that's where the biggest incision um is coming from. Um, and then they obviously have to sew your tendon back together then as well or whatever. I don't really know the ins and outs <laughs> that really might, but that definitely the front of your knee there where your patella is, uh, even to this day on my left or my right knee, um, if I was doing any exercises that required me uh, on my knee or anything like that, there would be a little bit of tenderness there and stuff, but just because that's where the graft came from um, and that's nothing to do with my ACL, that's just where the actual patella tendon is so yeah that's where I got mine too anyway yeah, yeah that's Generally what I never knew I suppose I never had to think about it but I was just like that's mad so to take yeah. a bit of the tendon out of your your knee your, it's your patella tendon yeah. and put it into your 
Like what you'll find is in most of them, they'll start with a patella tendon. And then if you end up a re-rupture in the graft in the same knee, they'll then take it out of the hamstring tendon. Because I think, I think you can get like, say some of my friends now that have got hamstrings. I think the reason why I think Ray said he'd go with patella is you can end up having hamstring issues then um, mm. if you take it from your hamstring because you could end up not doing your ACL, but you could have serious hamstring issues for the rest of your playing career. So yeah. that's why they opt with the patella, I think, Kelly, is it? Yeah, yeah no, the hamstring is only looked at if it's, uh, you know, a, a second, a re-rupture, you know, and they're already after taken from the patella tendon. I think one of my friends got his graft. Uh, he did that about three times times from his medial would you ever heard of that I don't know. his medial hamstring tendon i don't know i don't i thought it could have been his medial ligament i'm not sure but i thought that oh was, you know that i don't know yeah it's to be all over this yeah um <laughs> and kelly could it be is this is there's no hereditary uh, connection then you know the way you hear of people have bad knees their father had a bad knee and their brother had a bad knee and now they have a bad knee or, yeah not really for the ACLs. Um, oh, it's going into big gene pool talk then as well about different types of genes. And uh, oh, it's, a, it's a really in-depth scientific chat and it's words that I wouldn't even know today. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, it has been thrown about. But for the likes of ACLs, not really too much of a hereditary issue. Definitely, you would hear it for arthritis, um, for what other other knee issues would you get? Yeah, kind of rheumatoid, that type of stuff that you'd have hereditary issues to it. But in terms of ACL, it wouldn't be as much of a factor. Okay. And Sarah, would you have been worried, I suppose, after 2016, you got back playing and all that, would you have been worried about the knee that you had done or or doing the other one or had your worries of you know doing your cruciate again or um when I went back to play fully competitively um in my first time round no I didn't to be honest with you the first few months there when you're kind of back with the group when you can go back to contact training at like seven months or so that's probably where you'd be the most um I suppose uneasy about going back and it's not even you that are uneasy it's the players that are around you as well nobody wants to come near you when you go back training after you do your ACL because nobody wants to be the person that hits Sarah's shoulder or something, something <laughs> again but um yeah no I, I actually really struggled I must say first time around no second time around yeah I did struggle um big time mentally uh I was doing everything like correctly I was hitting all my targets um my stats that needed to be done I was working alongside Kelly inside with the tip camp um I came on actually um before we got to tip I came on in our club county final a bit prematurely at seven months after missing a lot of rehab with uh lockdown and stuff so I think adrenaline kind of kicked in that day uh, came out alive anyway and I just kind of thought when I went back with tip then that everything would just align and I'd be back playing and that would be that but I went back and I was actually terrified um I just I didn't like I was doing everything with Kelly like all these different tests like Kelly was saying there she was hitting me shoulders I was falling on the deck like everything was going like I was doing everything I should be but the minute it came to 15 and 15 and I was standing in the corner I was standing in the corner like I wasn't moving and um 
I kind of just had, a, there was, I, I think Kelly will say as well, like there was probably a lack of resources inside where I couldn't be with Kelly as much as I wanted to or anything like that, or she couldn't be with me as much as she wanted to because she's a physio to the rest of the team as well. So I actually took time out and I went and worked with um, Carbro Quillon. He's a Tipperary hurler strength and conditioning coach. And I was out on the pitch with him about twice a week when the girls were playing matches like uh, their championship games. I'd go out on a Sunday morning and hurl with Carbra um, in Bursley and he would be hitting me shoulders and like that I've never got hit before. And I was trying to get the ball off him, tackling with him. And the kind of mindset was then if I can actually do that with him, I should be able to go back in with the girls. And that's actually exactly what happened in the space of two weeks of not being near contention of being on a panel nearly um I went to being in contention to starting for the quarter the All-Ireland quarter final and then getting to start for the All-Ireland semi-final so there was just there was nothing physically wrong there at all where I had that shift of mindset it was just completely in my head I didn't realize it up until it, it hit me in the face when I was literally static in a corner um over Hurling Field and not Julianne Burke yeah you get this one off you go I, I'm happy enough here so it definitely was a um, a big mindset shift and confidence shift. Um, and then once you get back into the swing of it, uh, you're kind of asking yourself, which knee is it? And that's the stage I'm at now. I'm obviously very mindful of the fact that I have two ACLs done and I do a good bit of um, in, integrating into my gym program, a lot of rehab and stuff. And once I integrate that into my program, I don't really need to think about it anymore. And that's where I kind of am now. It's in my gym program. I do what I need to do and that's it. I know I'm looking after myself to the best I can Um, do my little bit of work before trainings, before games. And yeah, just happy out now. Like kind of do obviously think about it to a certain extent, but the minute you cross the white lines, just park it up and look whatever happens, whatever happens. Like that's, you have to live with these decisions. If it goes again, it goes again. Like whatever, you just have to get on with it. <laughs> And how did it come about working with Cabra? It sounds like. Um, I was actually with um, his partner up in the clinic in O'Brien's clinic, Paddy O'Brien. And I, I sat down actually with Paddy for a physio session um, for 30 or 40 minutes, whatever they are. And all we did was talk. And I nearly, I was on the point of tears. Like I just didn't know what was going on. I was doing everything that he was telling me and we just talked for about 40 minutes and he was like Sarah like you're in perfect condition like your body is your knee is ready to go but there's something that needs to be done here so Paddy actually was the Tipperary hurlers um physio as well uh set that up there with Carbra because one of my club mates uh, Connor Hammersey had did his ACL the year before me again and he had told me that he had done a good bit of work with Carbra um so yeah Herbert's like he's just incredible like he's at the top of this game and what he does and mm -hmm. I had so much confidence he was doing and he didn't even pilot he like he was like yeah you're well able this out you go like you know so that's how that came about yeah and I'm very thankful for it very good and Kelly I suppose with your work um you know your day-to-day -day job and also with your work with the Tipperary Senior Camogie team and um, would you see would you see a lot of clients that have injured the ACL and what would your role be? Oh God, you, you would. Unfortunately, I I rarely have a season with a team that I don't see at least one ACL. Um, and so I have seen a, a good few going through 
Um, and the best thing about being on the sideline and then seeing them in the clinic then afterwards is you're having that, you're constantly seeing them from start to finish. It's absolutely brilliant because an ACL really has to be diagnosed relatively quickly. Um, because sometimes what can happen is within about 24 hours, you can get a massive amount of swelling around the knee and then it becomes very difficult then to be able to fully test if you do have an ACL rupture. So ideally, you'd want to be on the sideline with the team and they're going to come in and see you in the clinic then afterwards so that you see straight away when they go down and you can test for your ACL ruptures and you can see if the, if the ACL is gone or not. And so... The, the therapist beyond that is very important and now no more important than the amount of work that the, the athlete themselves is willing to put in um but for the the rehab is most most important especially if a person wants to get back to playing sport and not re-injure themselves um so the, the role that therapist plays is just to make 100 sure that they're given the best quality exercises to the, the athletes when they're coming in and um, making sure that they are pushing them then at the same time um, that they're not sitting back just giving them loads of strength work that there is loads of um, neuromuscular stuff um, proprioceptive stuff there's the sports specific stuff coming on you're you're trying to factor in those external factors like somebody coming in from behind them and, and pushing them in the back so like all that type of stuff that all has to be included in their um rehab so it's just making sure that you try to get as many elements into their rehab in that nine month period or whatever amount of time it might take before they go back to play um just make sure you get as many elements into it as they possibly can so that they're as prepared as they can be to start back playing um, so the, the role is important, but it's also equally important that the, the person that you're giving the exercises to is, is putting the work in and, and completing the, the exercises the way they should be. And Sarah, they're, you're in good company um, when it comes to doing your crucial ligament, you know, likes of Henry Shefflin, Roy Keane, Tom Brady, other Camogie players like Tyra Kenny and Galway, Kellyanne Doyle, um, and Key Kenny. Um, I suppose... Kelly, I was just thinking, it seems to be all sports people that do their cruciate, or can anyone do their cruciate? I mean, if I run down the stairs in the morning and miss the last step, could I fall awkwardly and tear my cruciate? But then would I need surgery when I'm not playing sport? Or... Yeah, I suppose purely from the fact that camogie, hurl and football are the three main sports in Ireland and their main um, skills needed are to be able to change direction quickly and to be able to come from jumping up high and landing on single legs like they're some of the main skills that you need in the three main sports in Ireland so I suppose that's probably why you see it mostly in sports people but it's definitely possible for any normal non-sport playing person to do it so you could be out running after your kids and they could do a runner from left to right and you have to change direction really quickly and you could do the very same thing you can plant your foot turn your knee so your knee is kind of having is falling inwards a little bit. and again i think i put a, a picture up uh, that kind of mechanism of injury of how it works but it's how you plant your knee 
your upper body will generally tend to move and your knee will go, but your foot stays where it is. Um, so anybody is, is, is likely to do that. It could be, um, yeah, running after your kids. You could be jumping on a trampoline and you could come down on one single leg on a trampoline and your knee could fall in and like that, the ACL could go again. You could be a farmer jumping off a, a hay bale. Like there's loads of different reasons them that you could do it um but it's very possible to go the non-surgical route with an acl injury um, especially if you're not a sports person and you don't need to do those cutting pivoting change of direction um type um movements uh, so it is possible to just be able to strengthen around the knee and like sarah was saying before the most important thing is to have really good quad strength hamstring strength and if you're able to get around the muscles around the knee as strong as you possibly can and you can still bring in you know your 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 proprioceptive skills so proprioception is how you are able to feel your body in space so if you can feel your knee starting to fall in it's the ability to be able to pull yourself out of that hole before you injure yourself so if you're able to work on your skills make sure that your muscles are as strong as they possibly can be then you can absolutely get away without having any surgery it is slightly more difficult all right if you do want to go back playing sport um but i suppose if you change positions i know goalies with no acl and they're perfectly fine Okay. Um, Liz, we could talk all night about it. Uh, very interesting. And I think we've covered loads there so far. Um, Sarah, back training tomorrow night. You must be looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait. Now, I must say um, it's been a, a long uh, lockdown with online gyms and running sessions and stuff. Uh, but no, I, I can't wait now to get back in with the group and get that competitive streak going again. And I think everybody, to be fair, has really bought into the program that the lads have given us for the last number of months um so really looking forward to just getting back into hurling because it's been all real gym and running and a bit of hurling so really looking forward to getting the, the hurling back in and as you were saying there like um i <laughs> i'm in good company inside uh with people who do acls but i'm also inside in good company here in the house i'm living in and we had nearly a mini pod going in here in turles uh myself caught the van claude quirk and Andre Lucknan are all living together here so we'd be out doing sessions together and stuff uh, because we can because we live together and that's lovely like so I have had that group of people but just really can't wait to get back in with that group and, and get the matches rolling and get Sundays back to what they're supposed to be matches and games and watching them on the telly or going playing I'm like so yeah can't wait. It's, it's where I was togging out. I can't wait to get back tomorrow. <laughs> it's where I was throwing a pair of togs on me in the morning. I cannot wait. It's great. And hopefully we'll have a long summer of sport. Um, will you, you don't have to strap your knee or would you have to do anything in particular before training that others wouldn't have to do because you've had your surgery? No, do you know what? And I like back, like say from 2016 on, uh, a lot of warm-ups and stuff yeah I would have probably been a bit different than a lot of people like doing single leg um hops and just activating my hamstrings and quads and making sure that they're awake so that if I do make a turn that they're they're not my knee isn't compensating for that so but to be honest with you in the last two three years I've really noticed in um warm-ups and different things like that that trainers 
and um, Angelo Walsh who's with us at the moment like any gym program that he's given us for the group or any warm-ups that we've been doing there's a lot of single leg dominate stuff in it and I think uh, coaches and SNC coaches in particular have really noticed that there is a high amount of females in particular that do their ACLs so it's to our warm-ups now so a lot of the time after the girls might do their warm-up I might jump out or do it beforehand my own single leg stuff but at the moment there's actually really no need in what we're doing because everybody's doing the same thing because it's not it's a preventative not just for people who have done it but for everybody um so yeah not not a whole pile to be honest with you Jarno. okay interesting as well okay thanks sarah and thanks very much for coming on the podcast and best look back training tomorrow and for the year i uh, wish you all success and please god an injury free uh remain in Camogie career because I think you've had your fair share of injuries and um, to Kelly as well thanks a million for coming on and um, you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the crucial ligament injury and um, really learned a lot uh, if you enjoyed this episode of the Camogie Report podcast please give us a like and don't forget to subscribe to Tipperary Camogie new YouTube channel